Making His Wife by Jenna Rose. Grab it now for 99 cents or in Kindle Unlimited. I see her every day searching for love from other men when I'm right here in front of her. But I terrify her. I should. I'm her boss. I'm a powerful man and women throw themselves at me daily. But when I catch her crying in my home when I'm supposed to be away on business, I can't take it any longer. I'm going to make her mine, make her my wife, but only if she drops the act and submits to me, wholly and completely. I'll make her my wife and she'll thank me for it in the end. I know a keeper when I see one and all the riches in the world could never replace her. That's Making His Wife by Jenna Rose. Grab it in Kindle Unlimited or for 99 cents. Welcome back, everybody, for the second part of Lucy Darling's Love You Always. Hi, thanks for joining us today. It's Thursday, and I mentioned it on Tuesday, but I do want to say today, she has her book out, You Are Mine, that is free right now that you can go get, or sorry, that's brand new, that you can go get right now, You Are Mine. She has a free book called 209 Wedding Lane, and that starts today and goes Saturday. So don't forget to grab that, and... If you're on the newsletter or in the show notes, I'll make sure it's all in there for you there guys. There you go. She's giving away so much. I was like, why is this confusing? <laughs> <laughs> Stop giving away so much. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but um, I may have, but I can't remember. Frankie Love writes mysteries. Have we talked about that? Yeah, I didn't know that, and I think you brought it up. Yeah, so I finished one of her Anya Mora books. I think that's how you say it, Anya Mora, A-N-Y-A, and then last name M-O-R-A. And she had one in audio that I read. And it was really short, but it was good. Like, it had a great twist to it. And she had a longer one that she released the other day. It's like, I think it's like 300 pages or something. I downloaded it. And I haven't started that one yet. But I'm really excited. Like, she's got some good, like, twisty, dark stuff on there. I downloaded it, so I wanted to mention that. I can't remember if I did before. If anybody's looking for, like, a good murder mystery, she's a romance writer on the side. So, she did say that. I think I, I may have said this before. She said it's not romance, but there is a love story. And so, yeah. I think it's, like, either friendship or family or anything like that. So, and my other book I'm listening to that I'm currently listening to is it's called Twisted Lies by Angela Marsons. And I think this might be like book 14 in this series that I'm reading. And we were talking about big series with Ruby Dixon on Tuesday. And it was really like that for me with Angela Marsons. I mean, she doesn't write romance at all. It's all like British. She's a British detective. And she does, like, really, like, gruesome murders, and she solves the crimes. But the heroine is a fucking badass. And I love her. Like, she's the lead detective on this team. She's in charge of everybody. And her right-hand guy is, like, this, he's, like, really nice and sweet. And he's married and loves his wife. And he's just, he's her friend. And she, but she'll never admit that they're friends. You know, because she doesn't need anybody in her life. Like, she went through a lot of trauma when she was young, and she doesn't make any connections anymore. And yet, like, that's like her best friend, you know? Yeah. And so, each book is, I don't know if it's just the author's writing is getting better and better as she writes, 
But every book is better, better. in this series. God, it's, I'm like 13 or 14 books in. Damn. And it's still, I, she is an, I always, pre, I never pre-order for anybody. And she's somebody I pre-order for. I pre-order the ebook and I pre-order the audio because I love the narrator. Her name's Jan Kramer and she does all of them. She has the same voice through the whole series. So that's really nice too. I thought an interesting fact about Angela Marsons was that she handwrites the first draft of every book. She handwrites it. And these books, I mean, they're a couple hundred pages. I mean, they're not short. Like I think this audio book, it was like, God, I think it's like nine or 10 hours. I mean, that's a pretty long one. Yeah. I've got six hours left. So maybe this one's about eight. But um, so, yeah, it's not super short. And she says she does it on like a legal pad. She writes out the entire book on a legal pad with a pencil. That can you blows imagine? my mind. No, because I'll fill out like a medical form and my hand hurts. <laughs> I'm like, my mom, I'm not used to this. I know. I know. It's so tough. Like, I don't know how she does maybe she has arthritis maybe she wears a hand brace like typing makes my hand hurt I type like five million times faster than I write I know well and my thing too is like god that's wasted time because you're still gonna have to put it back on the computer I wonder if she does if she has somebody do it for her I don't know or if it's like the first draft is just a rough draft and then she changes it as she puts it on the computer like maybe it's just a really heavy outline details yeah yeah, I don't know. I can't imagine that. I can't wrap my head around it. Me neither. No. Oh, my gosh. Everybody writes different, though. I mean, yeah, I know somebody yeah. that writes, like, they'll write scenes, like, for in the future, and then there's all these scenes, and they pull it back together. I'm like, I can't. I got to go yeah. on a straight line. <laughs> I, can't, I couldn't do that either. I have to. I'm like, beginning, middle, end. That's how my mm-hmm. brain works in that order. Maybe that's why we write well together, because we're not, like, all over the place. I'll just write this one. You write that one. <laughs> you know? Like, oh. even, usually, like, we don't even write epilogues until we're at the very end, even if it's, like... Like, let's say it's my turn to go, and we know the next thing's going to be an epilogue. You mm-hmm. won't write ahead of me. You're like, no, you need to finish your chapter. I got to know what happens. Yeah. It's you know? Yeah. I don't know. I just can't. It's like it won't come. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you got to know, well, how does it end? Mm-hmm. It really, we, we really are true romance readers. <laughs> We're just like, <laughs> what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> are they going to make it? Just oh one God. time, it might not happen. <laughs> what if they don't end up together? <laughs> Oh, my God. We're idiots. Uh, I've got some great lady listener emails that one of them I've had for a couple weeks. I need to read. All of these are old, though, that I pulled up. So I'll start at the beginning. Um, This one says, hey, ladies, I don't care if you mention my name. So, all right, Sade, bet. (laughs) Her name's Sade, S-A-D-E. I think that's how you say it. Um. First, I love the podcast and the chit-chat with you ladies. Mondays and Fridays. Oh, this is an old one. Yeah, this is when we're on Mondays and Fridays. Are my favorite because it's like catching up with old friends. I wanted to write in with my funny sexual mishap story. Okay. I'd been dating this guy for a few months and things were going great and starting to pick up. Well, one night I invited him over for dinner. I cooked his favorite. Meatloaf, fresh green beans, homemade mashed potatoes, and Hawaiian sweet rolls. The food must have been good because he thanked me by going down on me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not usually, hold on. <laughs> I just, that came out. I need to swallow that for a minute. 
<laughs> I'm not usually a fan of receiving head because, well, people don't always know how to do it right. Amen. Anyways, he did a great job, like really great. So I was pretty much like, well, shit, Zaddy, <laughs> let me return the favor. Now, when I tell you I was ready, I was ready. LOL. Put my hair in a bun. Got out right on the business. But see, I had just eaten, so I was kind of full already. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't let that stop me. I guess I was too eager to show him what I was working with because I forgot to brace myself and hit oh. the back of my throat as fast. And Oh, no. Oh, I'm scared. I know it's coming. It's <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine how disgusting it was to have him in my mouth with me. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Oh, my God. I rushed to the bathroom to clean my mouth and get a rag and clean him. As I'm running, he had the most devastated look on his face. I realized on the way back that he probably thought I got sick from just going down on him, which made things way more embarrassing. I just knew I'd fucked up that completely. But once I explained to him, we had a good laugh out of it. He was a total gentleman about it and never brought it up again. That one incident didn't turn him off the idea of my going down on him, though. Great, because at this point, I had to prove myself. LOL. Thanks for letting me share. Have a great week. Oh, my God. God. (laughs) That one was good. (laughs) I wonder how that turned. It always seems like something like that happening with somebody is the person you end up with for some reason. Yeah, right. Like, because if if you can't laugh at that, that's not your person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you have to be able to laugh at stupid shit like that, because that's what's going to happen in your marriage. Okay, this one says, no names, please. That's like getting bold. (laughs) (laughs) This hits both the topics of something that made you cringe and whether you can admit you read, read romance books. I was sitting in on an interview in a conservative professional office, and the person conducting the interview, male, asked each person what the last book they read was. And one interviewee, female, answered, I'm not ashamed to admit the last book I read was Fifty Shades, and it was hot. Oh, my God. I wanted to cringe and laugh my ass off at the same time. All I could think was that there was a time and a place for everything, and this may not have been that time. Followed by, high five, girl. (laughs) The end. (laughs) I can't imagine, like, sitting. Was it an interview? Yeah. I was sitting in on an interview. You know, that's a that's a very loaded question to ask in an interview. Like, what was the last book you read because of that? But I think it maybe would say a lot about somebody, too. If you're like, what was the last book you read? I don't know. I'm wondering what's the last. I can't even like offhand tell you what's the last book. I mean, I can tell you the book I'm currently reading. <laughs> I don't know. the last. Oh, I can tell you. Mine is fin- Park Avenue Daddy. <laughs> Uh, you know, and that's one of those things, too, where we were talking about, like, you know, make, make you know, erotica mainstream and stuff. I still would be, like, hesitant to admit it in a group of people that I wasn't comfortable with. But then again, A group like, of men mm-hmm. might be hesitant to say. Yeah. Because I, pe- I've noticed when people realize you write erotica sometimes and you say it or they mm-hmm. know it, they feel like. With women, it's okay when they start to kind of ask you things, but people think that they can then ask you things that are yeah, inappropriate. Like personal, yeah, personal things. Yeah, about your sex life. Yeah. At least, yeah, that's that's been my experience as well. Like, they make assumptions about you. Like, oh, you must be super horny all the time. Or you and your husband must have a lot of sex. Like, that's mm-hmm. – what an inappropriate question to ask someone. 
Yeah. You know, like, I just, uh, like, who has the audacity? But whatever. That's what I would be scared that mm-hmm. they would go there with that. Yeah. But you know what, though? In that situation, like, again, it's not something that I'm ashamed of, the books I read. But if I was in a group of strangers in an interview setting, I wouldn't discuss, like, my political views. You know, yeah. like, it's, just, you know, that's just something that I wouldn't bring up to random strangers, yeah. even though I'm not ashamed of it. It's like, I just don't know if I want to get into that conversation. I don't know what kind of mindset I'm dealing with, you know, with the yeah, people around and I just, me. I'm not, like I said, I'm not ashamed of it, but it doesn't mean I want to talk about it with random people. No shit. Oof. But yeah, get it, girl. Fifty Shades. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This says, mm, this one's entitled, this does have a title. My mom and stepfather have been, no, have known each other since I was a kid. My mom used to babysit my stepbrother. Wait, my mom used to babysit. Okay, my stepbrother. Both my mother and stepfather lost their spouses in the fall of 2008 to cancer, and we supported each other's families while we were at the hospital together. A few years later, my stepfather called my mom and asked her out. He actually called from the bathroom, which we will never let him live down. They have been inseparable ever since. But you asked about weddings, so here's a short and sweet version of their wedding story. They had a small riverside wedding with just their children and the preacher. My stepfather had asked my sister and I for permission to marry our mother before he proposed. He had recently spelled my name incorrectly in a text, so I, being the lovable smartass, said, of course you can, as long as you learn how to spell my name before then. If you don't, then I may just have to object. I totally forgot about this until the day of the wedding. When the preacher asked if anybody had an objection, my stepfather looked right at me and said, K-E-S-H-I-A. I the preacher, I know. The preacher was clueless, but the rest of us laughed, and I said that they could proceed. I love him so much, and I'm so glad that he and my mom found love again with each other. Oh, and you can totally say my name on the episode if you choose to tell my story. That's How so sweet is my that? My eyes are, like, watering. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best stories. Oh, I, love, I love it, even though this is my worst trope. I don't like. <laughs> no, like this is my most hated trope. Like, but I like this one. <laughs> no, it's okay when it's real life, not in romance yes. books. <laughs> okay, this is the one I had to go look up before because I I read this email when I was going through and pulling the old ones, and I was like, "This is from two thousand. It's March of two thousand nineteen." And I was like, I need to go check her Facebook and see if they're still together. And I'm, I know I'm super curious about this email. Okay. So. It says, Hey, lady talkers. <laughs> I don't know why I love that. Fellow lady listener here, you guys asked about wedding disaster stories. Mine isn't so much a disaster, more so it probably will become one. My husband and I have been married for six months now. We have been dating for three years. We both just graduated college, and about three months after graduating, we both got our first real-life adulty jobs. He got lucky and was in a union with the crazy good benefits, and on a random night talking about what our plan was for the or what was our plan with everything, he stated, Why don't we just elope? Our anniversary was in a week, and we said, What the hell? Let's do it. Six months in, no one knows but for three people who were there, no family, and our HR. We are planning on doing the whole engagement and wedding and stuff and are planning to tell and planning on telling our family a few nights beforehand. Now it is now I am just waiting to see how this is going to plan out. Wish me luck, your number one fan. 
And so I went and looked it up because I was like, I have to see if they're still together because this was, you know, I was like, oh, this is like a quickie thing. Like, you know, what's going to happen? And yeah, they are. Like, I looked on her Facebook and from what I could tell, I th- I believe that's her husband that's on there is the same guy that she sent in. So I just thought that was kind of cool that like they do you think, snuck off and got married without telling anybody. How do you anybody. think your family would respond to something like that? I think my family would be okay. Like, if I was like, we eloped, and we'll just have a big party, or whatever. I think that would be okay. Do you think yours would? Yeah, if we've been dating for a while, and it was already talks on the table, I'm sure they would be fine, I think. Yeah. So, they said they've been married for six months. They've been together for three years. I can't imagine... You know, if there was my, problems, it probably would have already been brought up by one of the Yeah, parents. maybe so. I don't know, though, because I felt like a lot of our... My husband and I lived together before we got married, and I would have thought, like, that would have brought up a lot of problems. But really, it wasn't until, you know, we had kids that I think that really brought out the good, bad, and ugly. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's there's so many quickly stressful situations with kids. Where, like, you just go from normal to all of a sudden you're on an 11, you know? Like, you go from an, a 1 to an 11 with, yeah. you know, an instant with a kid. And I think that was, at least that's my experience <laughs> with having kids. <laughs> like, that the kid does something or something happens and it's, like, this big traumatic thing and everybody's yelling and it's, like, oh, my God, you know? I feel like in those moments you really find out how your partner is like how do they deal with stress how do they deal with panic situations like yeah you know just how do they deal with me when i'm stressed you know cuz i feel like kids put you in a stressful situation and you know your partner has to be able to work Balance with that. you yeah. yeah yeah to be you able to work can't both freak through. out at the same time that's if exactly I'm freaking right out, you've got to be calm <laughs> and then yeah, you get to yeah. freak out next so I feel like we really knew each other that I would say definitely after we got married and, you know, a couple of years in, I feel like that was probably when we grew the most in our relationship. But I mean, it's different for everybody. I don't know. You know, my sister, she got married. Um, It was a year to the day after meeting, you know, him. And I just thought like, oh my gosh, that's so soon. But I mean, some people get married a few months in and it lasts a lifetime, you know, Mm -hmm. like you just really have to, it's to me, every relationship comes down to commitment. What are you willing to commit to, you know, and what are you willing to either put up with? Yeah. Compromise on to put up with. I mean, if you have somebody that's like, you know, cheating or that's, you know, just an asshole or whatever it is, you know, outside of an abusive relationship, you know, if those things happen, you know. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to want to put up with that. Maybe you will, but you'll be miserable. To me, a happy relationship is one where you're both mutually respectful and you mutually agree that you're going to be happy, that you're going to commit to this. Yeah. So it doesn't matter, like, you know, that you're married, you know, or you're together six months or whatever it is. If you can continue to do that through your relationship, that'll, like, that's solid ground. But... I, you know, eloping, I, if it were my children, I think I would really be upset that I missed out, you know, yeah. even if they were together for a long time, like thinking about my, you know, if I think about my parents now, they'd probably be like, oh, whatever. Maybe they would have cared when I was younger, but now I've been with my husband almost 15 years. They're like, whatever, fuck it, you know? <laughs> so, 
But yeah, thinking I about think, like thinking about it that way now. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I feel. I know, right? Tell me. <laughs> That's it. No eloping. I'm I was online. actually asking them. I think a week or two ago. I'm like, can you guys like get girlfriends that are like super girly? <laughs> Maybe ones with kids. a little bit of mommy issues. <laughs> and they really need you. <laughs> really need I told you, I will let my children come stay with you for a week and you'll be like, you got to get this out of my house. This is too much drama. There's so many tears. There's so much hair <laughs> involved. Like, you're like, there's hair, there's glitter everywhere. You've got to handle this. <laughs> but yeah. um, they're fun. All right, so let me tell you about what else Lucy Darling has. Um, Here it is. Okay, I, like, pulled up the wrong file. <laughs> All right, so like I said earlier, enter to win this week's giveaway, which is a $50 gift card. And starting today, she has 209 Wedding Lane free until Saturday, the 26th. Her new book that's out is called You Are Mine, and I have the book bio for that one. Dane, from the moment I found Kennedy, she was destined to be mine. Then she was gone without a trace. I don't know what sent her running, but the one thing I do know that I did know is that I wouldn't rest until I found her. All I cared about was getting her back, and I would do exactly that no matter what it took. Kennedy, losing your memory is scary, especially especially when you wake up alone and realize there's a baby growing inside you. Oh, shit. <laughs> I have to say strong for both of us, whoever we are. Still, in the back of my mind is a man who makes me feel so many things I don't understand. Then he's there, standing in front of me. Some tell me I should be wary of billionaire Dane Osborne. I find it hard to believe that he's in love with me. But he still keeps saying those three words that have me wondering if I should be running from him, from him, or to him. You are mine. Oh, I love that. You know, we had talked about that. We kind of wrote it once before, but um, like the like the woman being the secret baby, <laughs> like it being a secret baby for the woman. Like she <laughs> yes. wakes up and she's like, oh, shit, I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what Lucy Darling's done. She's wrote a secret baby book from the female perspective. <laughs> I didn't even think about it like that. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> And so the free book she has right now is 209 Wedding Lane. And I'll read you the book by on that since she sent it. I was a child groom. It's not how it sounds. <laughs> I was a willing groom to a sweet girl who said she was dying. Her final wish was to get married and I was all too happy to grant it. So right there in that hospital, two kids got hitched. It was the best day of my young life until I couldn't find her until she was gone. It broke my heart. She took the pieces with her. I got older, but I never forgot about the little girl with the innocent smile and face of an angel. I had no idea when I took her hand that day, she would guide me down the path of greatness. Then I found her. She was alive and in Cherry Falls. I knew I had to have her to keep her safe and to make her mine. I just had to convince my wife to do me the honor of becoming my bride once again. I got married when I was a kid, when I didn't know what love really meant. But now I do, and I'm never going to let it go. That sounds so sweet. That sounds really sweet. That's what I, I like, Oh my God, that sounds amazing. So that's free right now. Um, 209 Wedding Lane. Go grab it. And like I said, her new book that's out today, You're Mine, uh, those all sound so good. That's great. So um, we're going to play the final installment of Love You Always by Lucy Darling, and we'll see you on the other side. 
Chapter 5 What the hell? I'm going to murder Kent. I dropped my concealer back into my makeup bag. He gave me a hickey? Are we in high school or something? I covered up the best that I can before I finished getting ready to meet up with Kristen. For someone who is sneaking around, I don't understand why he would put a hickey on me for my brother to see. I huff. He confuses the crap out of me. It's driving me a little bonkers. I'm pretty sure I'm already in love with the man. The last week has been one of the best of my life, but I want more. I put some lip gloss on before I grab my bag. I check my phone and see that Kristen is almost here. I text her that I'll meet her in front of the building. I can hear my brother and Kent talking in the kitchen. There are takeout containers on the counter. I fight a smile, thinking that Kent didn't cook because I wasn't going to be here. You got a date or something? Max asks the second he spots me. Kent spins around from where he's standing. From the pissed-off look on his face, I don't think he cares too much for my dress. The top is tight to keep my boobs in place since the dress is strapless. At the waist, it starts to flare out, going to the middle of my thighs. My favorite part of the dress is, at first glance, you think it's white. But when the light hits it, you can see silver sparkles. I paired it with a killer pair of heels to complete the look. I'm going out with Kristen. Don't start. I'm an adult. I put my hand up. Out of the corner of my eyes, I can see Kent gripping the counter, his knuckles starting to turn white. You want to try that again? Max pushes back from his chair, coming toward me. You got a fucking hickey, and you think I'm going to believe you're not going on a date? Kent actually smirks for a moment before going back to the whole angry thing he's got going on. It doesn't matter if it's a date or not. I have no reason to lie or sneak around, I say to my brother. But some of those words are meant for Kent, too. If he can't stand up to my brother after all this time... I'm not sure what I'm going to do. That's why I need a girl's night, to talk this out with a friend. I also might have wanted Kent to see me all dolled up for once. I can't stop you, but I don't fucking like it either. Your ass better be home by 10. I roll my eyes at him. I'm not even going to fight him on that. I'll come home when I freaking feel like it. Don't you have work to be doing or something? I toss back at him. I'm surprised you noticed anything about me. Max flinches. Guilt hits me instantly, but it is kind of true. He's gotten distant from all of us, really. Always so busy trying to make a better life that he's letting the one he has slip by. I love you, I say to him. My eyes flick to Kent, wanting to say those words to him, too. I turn to leave. I swear I can feel his eyes on me as I go. It's not until I'm in Kristen's car that I finally release the breath I was holding. You okay? She asks, eyeing me. I don't know. I sigh as she pulls away from the curb. It's not long before we make it to the restaurant. Once inside, we're escorted to the table she reserved for us. We place our drink and food order and settle in. Hit me with it. She knows a few small details, but I tell her mostly all of it over dinner before we head to the bar. I leave out some of the dirty stuff and the kinks I'm realizing I have when it comes to Kent. 
I can't wrap my mind around the fact that you two haven't slept together but have pretty much done everything else. I can't either. It's another thing that's driving me bonkers. The bartender swings by, dropping our drinks off. The bar is nice, with a small dance floor off to the side. It's not overly loud in here, so we can still hang out and talk without screaming at one another. It's the best of both worlds. What would make it even better is if Kent was with me. But he and I aren't together outside of the walls of the bedroom. It suddenly hits me that with everything we've done together, I've neglected to ask him if he's dating anyone else. We've spent hours talking every night. How did I not think to ask that? It's probably because the idea of him dating someone else makes me feel ill. Plus, with the way he touches me, it doesn't seem possible that he has anyone else. Do you think he hasn't slept with me because he thinks it's going too far with his best friend's little sister? That has been rolling around in my head for the past few days. Like you guys can get off but not cross that line so your brother won't get so mad? I shrug. What if this is all just a little fun to him and he knows taking it to that next level is too far? I suggest. Kent might be bossy and smug, but he is also a good man. I don't think he would push for sex. He has to know I'm a virgin, I would think. I've never said the words, but I'm sure he can tell. I get what you're saying, but I keep coming back to that hickey on your neck. He says he's a smart man. If that's the case, then that shit wasn't by accident. I reach up and touch the spot. You think he did it on purpose? Yeah, and from how you laid out everything, it sounds like he gave it to you when he realized you were going out tonight. I think he claimed your ass. How are you ladies doing tonight? A man slides up beside Kristen. He's not bad looking. He is familiar, though. I'm guessing we go to the same school. Kim. I jump when someone slides up next to me, knowing my name. Then I see who it is. I inwardly groan. Hi, Sam. Out of all the bars in the city, how is it possible that we ended up at the same one as him? What are you up to? I ask, feeling awkward because he's staring down at me, not saying a word. Kristen is laughing at something the guy next to her said. I heard you guys talking about coming here. Thought I'd pop in and buy you a drink. He gives me a cocky smile. I guess today I'm getting slimy nice Sam. I'd rather he do the whole asshole thing like he has been doing lately. At least I know how to deal with that. I'm good. I lift my drink, taking a sip. I don't want anything from him. Then I'll get the next one. He leans in closer. The smell of his cologne is so strong that I almost gag. I'm sorry, Sam, but this is a girl's night and... He cuts me off. And you don't date. Yeah, you've been saying that shit for years now. This playing hard to get shit is getting old. I'm not playing anything. Of course he's trying to tell himself that on some level I must want him. So I'm playing some game with him. His eyes drop to my neck, and I know he sees the hickey. His nose flares. I try and lean back. Where Kent's angry face turns me on, Sam's creeps me the hell out. Is that what I'm missing? He reaches out, touching my neck, and I jerk back.
You don't date. You just fuck. He could have told me that a long time ago. Before I can stop him, he's got his hand wrapped around the back of my neck. Stop it, Sam. I want you to leave me the hell alone. His grip on me tightens instead of releasing. I can still hear Kristen giggling and talking to the other man. So I know she's not seeing any of this go down. You like it rough, too. You're full of all kinds of surprises. He leans down, trying to put his mouth on mine. I push against his chest, trying to get him the hell away from me. I said stop. He doesn't. What the hell? I hear Kristen shout as Sam is ripped away from me and tossed to the side like a rag doll. He hits the ground hard, knocking over a table and a few chairs in the process. When I look up, my eyes meet the ones that I've become so familiar with. Kent stands above Sam. The look on his face tells me that he's not angry, but livid. Chapter 6 All I see is fucking red. Rage floods my body. The second I walked in the bar, I spotted my girl. When that fucker leaned in and put his hand around the back of her neck, I lost it. No one touches her but me. It is clear as fucking day that she is telling that asshole to stop. Obviously, whoever this asshole is, he doesn't understand what the word stop means. I know his type. I went to school with a bunch of entitled assholes like him. It takes nothing for me to toss that trust fund baby across the bar. I want more. I saw the fear in my girl's eyes, and throwing him off of her isn't enough for me. I know he hasn't learned his lesson. When he realizes I'm coming for him again, his eyes go wide. He hurries to his feet. I can see the trace of blood on his lip. Sorry, man, I was just... I grab him by the collar of his shirt. I notice the bouncer has turned around, giving us his back. The bartender continues to watch the show. What you were doing was not listening when a woman told you fucking no. I give him a kidney punch. He lets out a yelp of pain. I should break all of your fingers for the safety of the female race. Please don't. Stop, he begs as tears roll down his face. I release my hold on him. He stumbles back a step. I punch him square in the face. The sound of his nose breaking is music to my ears. He falls to the floor again. Kimmy puts her hands on my back. Her touch cools some of my anger, but not much. How does it feel when you tell someone to stop and they don't? I'm sorry, he cries. Not so tough when someone bigger than you uses that against you. You're scared shitless. You need to remember this fear. Because if I ever see you around my girl again, a broken nose will be the least of your worries. He nods his head quickly. You ready, baby? I ask Kimmy. Yes. I put my hand on her back to lead her out but not before I stop and pull the asshole's wallet out. I'll be keeping this. I hold up his license before I drop his wallet back down on him. I hear people cheer as I guide my girl out of the bar. Her friend follows closely behind us. That was awesome, the girl says. I'm sorry, Kim. I didn't see him start to get aggressive until the end. I thought you knew him or something. It's fine, and I do know him. We grew up together. We went to the same prep school and now college. 
I file those comments away to be taken care of later. He's not going to be going to the same college much longer if I have anything to do with it. Damn, what a jerk, her friend mutters. Are you ready to head out? Her eyes bounce to Kimmy and back to me. She holds her hand out and I take it. Kristen. Kent, I've got her. I'm not going to let her ass out of my sight for the next few days. Kimmy smiles up at me. Thanks for the girls' night. Kimmy steps over to hug her friend, saying their goodbyes before I get her into my SUV. So, she starts tapping her fingers on her thigh, causing her dress to ride up some. She's trying to kill me. You followed me. Yep, I answer before reaching over to buckle her in. Thanks, she says after a beat as I pull out to head to my place. For the seatbelt or for tracking you down and laying the frat boy out? She snorts a laugh. Both, I suppose. She puts her hand on my thigh. Where are we going? I think you missed your turn. She tries to look back. Home. She's quiet for a long moment. As in your home? Is it done? I don't miss the way her shoulders drop and her lips form a frown for a brief moment. It's been done for over a week. I glance over at her. Her eyebrows are furrowed together, her nose scrunched up. But... She trails off, her teeth sinking into her bottom lip. Are you starting to put the pieces together? The ones that will reveal I've been staying at Max's way past the completion of work at my house so that I could spend more time with her. I think. You stayed because of me? Yeah, and I'm done with this hiding shit you have us doing. I pull up to the front of my place. I bought it a few months ago. I was over living in a giant building, so I decided to purchase a brownstone townhouse. A few things needed to be updated, but it didn't need a ton of work. My hiding? Her tone is accusatory. That's what I said. Max will have to get over it because this... I bring my hand down on her bare thigh, sinking my fingers into her in a tight hold. Isn't ever ending. He'll get pissed and then he'll get over it. He doesn't have much of a choice. But I cut her off because I'm done keeping all of this shit to myself. And I want you to stop looking for a place to live. You're driving me nuts with that shit. All week she was searching online for a new place. I'm driving you nuts? I can't live with Max forever. She throws her hands up. You're not. We'll get your shit tomorrow. You live with me now. Your ass better be in my bed every night. Her eyes go wide with surprise. I get out of the car, going around to open the door. She takes my offered hand. Kent. She pulls on my hand when we step into the entryway. Yeah, baby. I brush a piece of hair out of her face. I've been mad at you because I thought you were hiding us, and that maybe that's why we haven't had sex yet. A vulnerable look crosses her face. Fuck me. I don't ever want her to doubt for a second how I feel. It has taken every bit of my self-control not to take things further with her. I'm going to clear some shit up right now. I grab her. She drops her purse as I sprint up the stairs and into the master bedroom. Strip, I order as I place her back on her feet. Right now? I spin her around, pulling the zipper down on her dress. It drops, pooling at her feet and leaving her only in panties and heels. 
I turn her back around to face me. She starts to breathe faster. I drop to my knees and place a kiss on her pussy over the panties before I slip them down her legs and help her get her heels off. My turn. I pull off my clothes in record time before I grab her, taking her down onto the bed. Now, let's get some shit straight. When it comes to you, I'm all fucking in. It's been hell holding myself from taking you fully. But I wasn't going to go there until we were on the same page, and this hiding shit from your brother was over. It's hard to think when you're pressed against me naked, she says, before she wraps her arms around my neck, her tits pressing into my chest. But I'm with you. I don't want to hide. I want to be all in, too. I don't know what it is, but the moment we met, I felt this pull to you. Intense. I felt it, too. She smiles up at me. Is that why you put a hickey on me? You want us to get caught. I get possessive when it comes to you. I find it hard to control myself. I've never felt this way before, and I know that possessiveness isn't going away, so you'll have to deal. She keeps on smiling up at me. I take that as a good sign. Never felt what way? Love. She lets out a small gasp. I'm so wrapped up in you. I don't even like when you leave to go to classes. I want you next to me all the fucking time. But I know college is important to you. She has dreams of one day owning her own fashion line of some kind. I want to make sure all of her dreams come true. Kent. Her eyes fill with tears. I love you, baby. Don't think you have to say it back right now. I'll get you there if you let me. She shakes her head. I'm already there. I know it's crazy fast, but we've talked for hours. I feel like I know you. And everything I know I love. Including your possessive ways. Fuck. This woman was made for me. You sealed your fate. I'll never let you go. You're mine. Good, she says before I take her mouth and a deep kiss. There is no more holding back with her. My mouth leaves hers as I travel down her neck. She grips me tighter. I need you inside of me, she pleads. How can I say no to that? I was going to eat her pussy to make sure she was wet enough to take me. But when the tip of my cock presses against her opening, I can feel how soaked she already is for me. All you ever have to do is ask and I'll give you the world. I vow to her as I press the head of my cock into her. She lets out a small gasp. For the past week, I've been building up to this by fingering her with three fingers. That's still not as big as my dick, but it is something. Kent, I already know, baby. She didn't have to tell me she's a virgin. I've felt her tightness. Innocence is always in her eyes. I love you, I say as I push the rest of the way into her breaking through her virginity and claiming her as mine and mine alone. I take her mouth in a kiss to muffle the cry. I dig my fingers into the sheets, trying to keep control and not rut into her like an animal. She starts to relax after a moment. Her tongue meets mine. When she lifts her hips, trying to get more of me, I know she's ready. I'm so full. I release her mouth as I pull out of her. It's like you're everywhere. Good. 
If I could, I would cover every inch of you. She lets out another loud moan, loving my words. I start to move faster. The sounds of her soft moans fill the room. It's the hottest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm not sure I can last much longer. It's heaven inside of her. My balls are already drawing up, wanting to explode every last drop of my seed into her. I slip my hands between us, finding her clit. Need you to come for me. I rub her clit fast, applying more pressure. Show me how much you want this. I want it, she shouts as she starts to come undone for me. I keep thrusting my release, spilling inside of her. I'll never get enough of her. She's all mine now, and nothing or no one will ever change that. Chapter 7 Kim Mmm, I moan as Kent nuzzles my neck. I have no idea how long we've been in bed, and I really don't give a crap. I could stay right here in his arms forever. I need to feed you. He nips my neck, always taking care of me, proving to you that I'll be a good husband. My breath hitches. Don't act surprised. We both know where this is going. How many times did I come in you? I'm guessing you're not on anything, are you? His hold on me tightens for a moment. Oh, crap. How did I not even think about that? I wait for panic to come, but it doesn't. I should be freaking out. I'm still in college. I have big plans for my future. We might be doing stuff out of order, but I promise you that you're still going to have it all. I roll over to face him. You're such a good man. I run my finger down his jaw. I think I'll let you marry me. He lets out a deep chuckle. What are you laughing at? You being cute, thinking you had a choice in the matter. I try to glare at him, but I can't. I'm too freaking happy to do anything but smile. Don't move. He rolls over, opening the nightstand drawer. I gasp when I see him pull out a blue box. You already have a ring? I sit up, pulling the sheet around my naked body. Yeah, Ma sent it to me. Your mom? I ask curiously as he opens the box to reveal the vintage ring inside. It's breathtaking. There is a giant rectangular-shaped diamond in the center with a halo of smaller diamonds all around it. It's beautiful. It's a family heirloom? Started with my great-great-grandmother on my father's side. He pulls the ring out of the box. Your mom just gave it to you? I haven't even met your parents yet. Like I said, we're doing things a little out of order. He slips the ring on my finger. They'll love you. I can promise you that. When I told them I found the girl I was going to marry, my mom didn't hesitate. They know I wouldn't take something like this lightly. Not to mention, I've never even mentioned a woman to them before. I smile, looking down at the ring. It's a perfect fit. I throw myself at him, kissing him deep. I love you. I love you too, baby. He lifts me off the bed, placing me on my feet. Food. He gives my ass a smack. I jump, heading into the bathroom. I snag his shirt off the floor as I go to slip it on. By the time I get myself somewhat together, 
Kent has already started breakfast. My coffee sits on the counter waiting for me. It's made exactly how I like it. I let out a small moan when I take a sip, causing Kent to give me a heated look. I could get used to this. I slide into one of the high-top chairs to watch my man cook. The only thing he's got on is a pair of sweatpants that hang low on his waist. I wiggle in my seat, thinking about how good he looks. I'm still a bit sore, but not enough to keep me from going another round. Good. He winks at me. This place is amazing. Everything is modern and up-to-date. None of those dark woods and black furniture that most men have in their homes when they live alone. Change whatever you want. I think we might need to make a few changes in the closet. There's another spare room up against our bedroom. I think we can convert it and expand the closet. Kent. I put my coffee down on the counter. I already agreed to marry you, I tease him. I don't recall asking. I snag a grape out of the bowl on the counter and throw it at him. He catches it easily and pops it into his mouth. Thanks, babe. Being here in his space with him feels good. Yet I know we can only ignore the elephant in the room for so long. And that elephant just so happens to be Max. I know Kent said he would take care of everything when it came to my brother, but I still can't help but worry about the outcome. My eyes widen when a loud banging comes from the front of the house. I think I conjured my brother up. Kent turns off the stove. Kent. He walks over toward me. My brother is still beating on the door. Dread fills me, knowing there is no way out of this conversation with Max. I can already tell by the sounds echoing through the house that he's not a happy camper. No matter what happens, I always pick you, from now till forever. He brushes his mouth against mine with a kiss. Stay here, sweetheart. I sit there for a second, but I'm too anxious to know what's going on to stay put. As I get closer, I hear my brother shouting at Kent. Kent isn't saying a word. He's only standing there listening to him, letting Max get it all out. Max stops yelling when he sees me. We're leaving, Max orders. She's not going anywhere, Kent growls. Before I can say anything, Max takes a swing at him. Kent doesn't even try to block it or step out of his way. He takes the hit, making me cringe. I run toward the door. That's the only one you're going to get. I'm in love with him, I shout. Kent tries to push me back behind him like he thinks Max is going to try and snatch me away. I suppose it is a possibility. You don't know what love is. I didn't before I met him. This is bullshit. You fucked my sister? I let out a small scream as I watch Kent cock his arm back and punch my brother in his face. Max stumbles back a step. I jump in front of Kent, trying to get between them before one of them actually gets hurt. You don't talk about her like that. Kent grits out between clenched teeth. Whatever. When you're done with... He trails off when his eyes make contact with the ring on my finger. You're getting married? He stands up a bit straighter. 
I'm not sure if this has made it worse or, hopefully, better. You think I'd do this if I wasn't all in? Kent wraps his arm around me, pulling me back into his chest. I lean into him. Max shakes his head and lets out a few curses. You know he's a good man, Max. Do you think there's a better man out there for me? Name one. Kimmy. Kent rumbles my name. I love that he calls me that. I'm only making a point. I try to elbow him. This is a lot to take in. Max runs a hand down his face. I love her. You know more than anyone, I don't take chances on the things I do. I'm either in or I'm out. Max nods, agreeing with Kent. Kent is making breakfast. You want to come in and join us? I offer. Fine. He huffs before stomping past us into the house. Can you put a fucking shirt on? Max shouts from inside the house. We ignore him, but I have to fight a laugh. I have no doubt one day a woman is going to knock my brother on his ass. I know I'll be front and center for that. Kent spins me around in his arms. That went better than I thought. I stare up at the man of my dreams. My brother can be good at reading me. I think he knew I wasn't letting Kent go. I can't stay his little sister forever. There was only one way this was going to go. You're mine. He'll get used to it over time. I kiss his chest. I know he's right. Kent and I were inevitable. We're two magnets. When we're around one another, we snap together. There is no stopping it. I love you. I smile up at him. I love you too. Loved you from the moment I saw you. I knew you'd be mine one way or another. We were always meant to be. Epilogue Kent The house is too damn quiet for my liking. I push back from my chair and head out of my office in search of my wife. Both of our boys are now in school. It's crazy how quickly time flies. So many things have changed since that day I first laid eyes on Kimmy in Max's kitchen. The day I really started to live. I can't believe that our son Travis started kindergarten this year. I don't think Kimmy is taking it too well. I can tell she's been restless. For the first few weeks, I was able to keep her entertained. We enjoyed the quiet together. But I think it's time for something else. Kimmy put her career on hold when she realized she was pregnant. She insisted on being the one to stay home and take care of our boys while finishing some of her college courses. All I wanted was for her to be happy. I didn't want her to think she missed out on anything in her life. She has always had such ambition when it came to her career. I always want to make sure that I encourage her to follow her dreams. And that's exactly what I plan to do. Over the last few weeks, unbeknownst to my wife, I've put the wheels in motion to make her dreams a reality. If she's not going to pull the trigger, then I will. I pull out my phone checking her location rather than searching the whole house for her. It's pointless. The second I open my office door, I hear her laugh coming from the front of the house. It's followed 
by a male voice. With this style of home, you could put a pool on the roof. A lot of people are doing that now. What the hell is going on? I spot the fucker as I come around the corner. My wife is staring down at the pamphlet into her hands. This dumb fuck has his eyes zeroed in on her tits. I know his type. I'm sure he thinks her husband is off at work and she's all alone. Not in this house. He came to the wrong door. I try to fight the growl that rumbles from deep within me, but it's uncontrollable. I'm a possessive bastard. My wife knows this. She even jokes that I only gave her boys so she has more guards around. That might be so. Travis doesn't like anyone with a dick talking to his mom unless they are family. The guy's head jerks up when he hears me approaching. His eyes go wide as I snag the pamphlet out of my wife's hands. Next time, you won't walk out of here. I shove the pamphlet into his chest hard. He stumbles back, almost falling to his ass. I slam the door shut, then click the lock. What took you so long? She smirks at me. Woman? I grab her and lift her into my arms. Are you so bored that you're trying to poke the bear? If you want to be fucked, all you had to do was ask. Where's the fun in that? She wraps her arms around me. I don't know how she's gotten more beautiful over the years, but she has. I'm a damn lucky man, and I'm going to show her I still stand by my word of giving her everything she ever wanted. We need to talk. I carry her back toward my office. Well, those words would scare most people, but God knows you're obsessed with me, so I'm safe. I let out a chuckle as I sit down with her in my lap. My hands go to her hips. They've gotten fuller with each of our sons. I relish the feel of them. I bought something. I pick up the paper on my desk, showing her the real estate listing. I closed on it yesterday. Her eyebrows furrow together. What are you doing with it? The question is, what are you going to do with it? Her head jerks up. Me? Yes, you. It's a prime location. And let me guess, you did the numbers. She smiles at me. I did. The bottom floor can be for retail and the offices can be upstairs. Think I could put an area up there for the boys? Babe, you can do anything you put your mind to. I don't need any numbers to know that. Her eyes fill with tears. Baby. I cup her face, placing kisses on her cheeks. I don't know how you do it, but you can still knock me off my feet and surprise me. I gave you my word. We might have done some things out of order, but you're going to have them all. The time is now. Kimmy's lingerie. I like the sound of that. I was the only one that ever called her Kimmy. I'm expecting a position. She lets out a laugh. As? I start to answer, but she puts her hand over my mouth. Yes, you can see all the lingerie on me. She gives me a hard look. Only me. 
I kiss the palm of her hand before she drops it from my mouth. My wife can be possessive too. My cock is already hard from her sitting in my lap. But now my balls are aching at the possessiveness of her gaze. She has nothing to ever be jealous over. You need a reminder that you're all I ever want. I pick her up, sitting her down on the desk. She drops the papers onto the floor. I'm always up for a reminder. She starts to wiggle around, and I know she's turned on. We should have a practice run. Tell me what you think of my panties and bra. She reaches down, grabbing her dress and pulling it over her head, revealing every sexy inch of her to me. Oops, I forgot I wasn't wearing any. I pounce, taking my wife on the desk. I love every inch of her, and she lets me. Both of us are getting everything we've ever wanted. I only ever need her. We may have fallen in love in an instant, but our love is forever. This has been Love You Always by Lucy Darling. Read for you by Lou Banks. Where You Are by Natalie Parker, a rock star's brother's best friend romance. Turn it up, book four. Matt, I feel like I'm on top of the world. My rock band is taken off, I get paid to do what I love, and my home life is stable and peaceful. And yet, it feels like something is missing. Then my world is rocked when my bandmate sister Melanie returns from her globe-trotting adventures. There's always been something about her, and now that she's back, sparks fly whenever we're together. After weeks of building something together I thought would last a lifetime, she vanishes. She's gone without a word, leaving me with nothing but a hole in my heart and questions I may never get the answers to. Melanie Seeing all the wonders this world has to offer is the second greatest thing I've ever done in my life. The first, falling in love with Matt, my brother's best friend and bandmate. Despite the crush I'd always had on him, I couldn't let anything get in the way of my desire to travel the world. Now that I'm back, I want nothing more than to stay right here with him for the rest of my life. That is, until I'm forced to leave again. My biggest fear is that Matt will think he wasn't enough, when in reality, he is everything. Where You Are by Natalie Parker. Grab it now on Kindle Unlimited. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks for sticking with us this week. Thank you for hanging out with Lucy Darling. And if you want to know everything I just said, go back and rewind. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do want to mention next week we have a brand new audiobook from Jenna Hartley. I'm so excited. It's called Without End. This is how great Jenna is. I love her. She was like, we were talking back and forth about being on the podcast, and she was like, yep, yep, June works perfectly. She sent me the book in, like, February or something. Damn. Like, I know. She was like, I just wrote it. Here you go. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my. She is so efficient. You'll love it. When you go to check out all her stuff, her website and everything, she's so efficient. I love it. So join us next week for that, and I believe that's all the good stuff we have right now. There's um there's a little secret behind me on the on the YouTube channel. I don't know if you can see it or not. We'll just we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I'm excited about it. I, I can't wait too. to tell everybody. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be, be a romance. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.